This is Thoughts from the Metal Cavern, where only one opinion matters, and it's not yours. G'day there. How's your day been? Yeah, mine's probably been the same. But seeing as you have bothered to go to your podcast provider and choose this podcast to listen to, I guess I'd better expand on the day at hand. So this is what I've found interesting in the last day or so. This is the Almanac Report on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. Hi there and welcome to the program and what has been a rather remarkable week in the AFL. Uh, (laughs) It hasn't been a a last week like this for some time, I wouldn't have thought, where it's been uh, so exciting for both news on and off the field. And I think that's what made uh, this week, I don't know, I mean, well, let's just talk about Essendon to start with, because apart from being a basket case and having been a basket case for a decade or more, this week started off with Essendon suddenly deciding that they were going to make a play for Alistair Clarkson. Now, Clarkson has been off all this year, having resigned from the Hawthorne position last year. Everyone knew he was basically going to have a year off from football coaching and that he was most likely, 90%, going to be looking at getting back into football coaching in 2023. So we've had some suitors out there looking for him and the two main ones were North Melbourne and GWS. Now, GWS about two weeks ago, announced they'd pulled out of the race. And one of the reasons uh, that everyone heard was that apparently Clarkson had more or less intimated that he wished to remain in Melbourne. Now, there was other reasons for GWS, and we'll see where that progresses before we go forward with that. So that left North Melbourne as being the team that looked like they were going to pick him up. And then suddenly from out of the blue, there was a bit of a kerfuffle there at the uh, Essendon boardroom. There was a couple of positions changed and suddenly they came out more or less saying, oh, by the way, we want Alistair. As if to say, we are Essendon and look at us compared to North Melbourne. Wouldn't you much rather be coaching at our club with our list than you would be at North Melbourne with their list? And this all happened on the Sunday or the Monday. Now, it got to the point where North Melbourne didn't draw a line in the sand, but they more or less said they needed an answer from Alistair Clarkson by midweek as to whether he was going to be the coach. There were other options out there for them, apparently, and they were happy enough to move forward if that was what it was going to be. But they spent somewhere between five and six weeks talking to Clarkson uh, from the head of football and the CEO and uh, the president all the way down had all had talks with Alistair Clarkson. And of course... In that position, when you've put five or six weeks into it and you suddenly have another team just throw their hat in the ring and say within two days, oh, come on, just pick us. What did Essendon really think was going to happen? Because as it turned out, Clarkson, of course, said, I'm coaching North Melbourne. And then Essendon were left... (laughs) They were left in the water with all the sharks circling them because they'd more or less thrown their current coach under the bus without actually saying, we're going to sack him but that we're going to look for this other bloke. 
and the players didn't know about it, the coach didn't know about it, and all this played out in the media with no one telling them anything. So then they had to go in, once that Clarkson had said that he's coaching North Melbourne, and they had to go in and try and sort out the situation with the players and the current coach. And of course, it was a schmozzle. And from that point on, and, and several people have made this point over the last couple of days, from that point on, Ben Rutten's position was untenable. There was just no way he was going to be able to continue coaching this club. And the result on the weekend, where they were absolutely obliterated, didn't help them at all, and certainly didn't help Ben Rutten. And you, you sense that he already knew what was going to happen after that Saturday night thrashing from Richmond. And it's exactly what did happen, because on Sunday morning, uh, the club came out and announced that Ben Rutten had been relieved of his duties as coach of the Essendon Football Club. Now, this is a terrible situation that Essendon not only put their coach in, who had come in and done the right things and said the right things and was trying to do the right thing by the club, and yet out of nowhere, Essendon have thrown him under the bus, uh, put their players offside from the players who believed in the coach and they suddenly found out that the board had decided that he wasn't going to be the guy. But they've also put themselves in a position now they have to find another coach. And they've come out and said, we believe we need an experienced coach. Well, now Essendon, as everyone knows, the last decade has been just an absolute schmozzle. And if you're a supporter of the Essendon Football Club, you'd have every right to sort of say, what the hell is going on? Now, I'm a Collingwood supporter, and of course, certainly last year, if not in recent years as well, Collingwood were just a basket case with the uh, presidency, with Eddie Maguire coming, going, saying all the things that he had been saying in the media that were just untoward. The change of president a couple of times over a 12-month period, um, the continued systemic racism row that's been going on with the club for you know for years and years and then their performance on the field it was just how bad they'd be so having lived through that for the last 12 to 18 months I can honestly tell you that everything that's happened with Essendon in the last week or so let alone the last 10 years has been a breath of fresh air for a Collingwood supporter that don't have to listen to Collingwood being in the news every single week for the wrong reasons now, we all know back in 2013, in February, Essendon self-reported themselves to Asada over the drugs scandal. Now, I'm not going to go into all that sort of drugs deal and what happened or what didn't happen or what people said they did do and they didn't do, but the timeline of it, as you can see, so February 2013, so we're talking almost 10 years ago, and this is when this started, um, and we had Steve Dank, who was the commercially criticised sports uh, quote, scientist, unquote, <laughs> crook, as a Asada and Wada call him, had come in and they'd used a, uh, well, they were calling it a uh, <laughs> something completely different from what it actually was, which was basically uh, steroids or drug abuse. And this all came to a head over that whole year, 2013, where eventually uh, heard and Essendon were disqualified from the finals, and the club was fined $2 million. That was in August 2013. That was a couple of weeks out from the finals when the AFL finally decided, we can't have Essendon playing in finals this year. It's a really bad look. 
James Hurd was banned from coaching for 12 months. And then uh, Mark Thompson was uh, appointed as caretaker coach for the following year. Now, of course, this drugs thing went on for another couple of years before it was finally sold. And there were some terrible things that came out of that. Now, in 2014, obviously, Mark Thompson coached Essendon to the finals, even though they would have played finals the year before, but they played finals in 2014. And he came out at their end-of-season presentation gala and more or less said, I want to be coach again next year, even though James Hurd's suspension had been up and the club had more or less said that he would be the coach next year. But Mark Thompson had put his hand up and said, I want to do it. And then, of course, two weeks later, he went off on a holiday, he quit the club, never to return, and then has had his own drug problems ever since. So Hurd came back in 2015 and coached again, and they only won six games all year, and he finally resigned at the end of 2015. So almost three years from the start of this, James Hurd was finally out of Essendon, and that was that had to happen. And as well as uh, the president, uh, CEO, and all those guys, they had to get out of the club to give them a fresh start. So they brought in John Walsfold as coach in 2016. And of course, as soon as he's come in, um, all of the players who had been involved in the Essendon club with that drug-taking scandal in, at the start of 2013 were all given 12 uh, months suspension. <laughs> so Essendon played with 12 players suspended that year and they had to go through all sorts of hoops in order to get enough players to put a team on the paddock every week. And they only had three wins in 2016. From there, amazingly, with all the players back and all that kind of stuff, Walsfold got the team into finals again, and I think they were only the second team in the history of the competition to go from wooden spooners to a finals place. So Walsfold's magic from when he'd been coached at uh, West Coast obviously came through. In 2018, they missed the finals, and they were disappointed with that year. In 2019, they scraped into eighth, and then they lost that first, uh, first final. In 2020, it was announced that Ben Rutten would be co, well, not co-coaching with Walsfold, but he would be the coach next year. So he would be learning the ropes from Walsfold in 2020 and then would go on to coach the team solo by himself in 2021. Now, of course, 2020, we then had the COVID problems, which caused problems for all the clubs. And Essendon finished 13th and a very disappointing 13th for them again. 2021, last year, they finished 8th. And Rutten was being hailed as a kind of a, a new hero. He had new ideas and he was going to be the man who led Essendon out of the wilderness and into a finals winning team and hopefully uh, contending for a grand final again. And then we had this year. <laughs> so I don't know where you go if you're an Essendon supporter. It's It's been a terrible time for a very long time and... They had to get through all of the Asada and wider stuff, and that, that really took three, four, five years out of the club. Walsfold did a pretty good job as coach and got them back contending again, and then we had COVID, which has hit some teams harder than others, and obviously Essendon haven't really recovered from that themselves. But now we're going into finding another coach again. So the players are staying. The board who did all of this, they're the ones who brought up this trouble in the last week or so when they could have if they'd really wanted to change the coach instead of doing what they did a few weeks ago which is they put their full support behind Ben Rutten which obviously is always a bad thing for any coach to hear that he has the full support of the board 
They could have chased Clarkson then or chased somebody else then four, five, six weeks ago. But they waited until the very last minute when it was obvious that there was no way that Clarkson was going to change his mind from what he'd already made up. And they caused this whole problem with the players who had questions of the president and the president said, well, we've taken those on board. But they're not going anywhere. And they should be. They should be just shoveled out the door and they need to restart there again. But that won't happen, of course. And the players, they have to take on board a fair amount of this season where they just haven't been up to the task. And that might be because of coaching, but you can't blame the coach for everything that happens on the field. So I feel for Ben Rutten. Um, I feel for Essendon supporters. Uh, and now they've got to find another coach where obviously with the club having already said, we want an experienced coach, that basically rules out someone like, say, Mark McVeigh, who is a club legend, who has uh, coached GWS this year since the resignation of Leon Cameron, and has done a pretty good job with GWS. They mightn't have won many games, but you can see that their football has improved. And perhaps he was going to be the right kind of fit for Essendon. And of course, there's the talk of James Hurd coming back. And now, if, if they're going to go back to James Hurd, they're just digging their grave even deeper or just digging another grave next to the other one. I don't know. You can't go back to James Hurd. That would send the wrong message to all the supporters, no matter whether they loved him as a player and as a coach or not and whether they felt he was hard done by. The point is he was at the centre of the biggest scandal the club's ever had and he cannot be brought back into the Essendon club in a senior role like that. So who does that leave? Uh, there are a few people out there who believe that Ross Lyon is the guy to bring in and be a hard head. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Uh, all I know is that as disappointing as it must be for Essendon and the fans and the players, and I do, as I said, feel for them, but as a Collingwood supporter, it's just been a fantastic week of watching one of our long-term uh, rivals go through the kind of pain that we've had to put up with on the last 18 months or so. As I said earlier, the last week of this competition has been one of the most exciting last rounds of an AFL competition ever. And I guarantee you it's been the most exciting last day of an AFL competition ever because it's been just amazing. Now we had... Obviously, uh, on the Friday night, we had Brisbane up against Melbourne, which was going to decide who finished in the top four and who didn't. And uh, so that was built up as a really big game to start the round. And of course, that fizzled out as Melbourne won by a lot. And Brisbane have shown that again that they've been pretty disappointing. But on Sunday, on the last day, we had three games that were all going to decide places in that top eight and where teams finished and where they didn't. And the first game was the Western Bulldogs, and they took on Hawthorne down there in Tasmania. Now, the Western Bulldogs had to not only win the game to become level with Carlton, but they had to get their percentage up above Carlton and then hope that Carlton got beaten by Collingwood in order to reach the top eight again. Now, um, it's amazing that the Western Bulldogs played in the grand final last year and since then just haven't looked like that team at all. They, they've, they've lost something and they haven't been as competitive 
and other teams have been able to work them out a little bit. Now, the Bulldogs did their bit. They uh, they beat Hawthorne, but Hawthorne fought really hard, right, right up until about probably the last uh, 10 or 15 minutes to make it a really tough battle to see that it looked like the Bulldogs were always going to win, but were they going to win by enough? And as it turned out, they won by just enough to get their percentage, I think it was 0.2 of a percent above Carlton, which if Carlton lost was always going to be enough because Carlton couldn't improve their percentage if they lost. So the Bulldogs had done exactly what they had to do in order to try and make the finals. And they finished that game in eighth spot on the live ladder, as they talked about all afternoon. Then we had the Collingwood-Carlton match, which turned out to be, for a Collingwood supporter, uh, looking back on it now, an absolutely brilliant game. But my goodness, during the game once again, Youth going through heart attacks, as we have all season with this Collingwood team. But at least we finished on the right end of the scoreboard, unlike, and I say this with some uh, disappointment for them, poor old Carlton. Now, Carlton had to win. Their last week against Melbourne, they led uh, by eight points with two minutes to go in that game. And a win would have secured them... uh, a finals position last week. They wouldn't have even had to worry about this week. But then they conceded two goals in the final two minutes and Melbourne got up and won that game. And Carlton had to go into this game against Collingwood and they had to win in order to finish in the finals you know, in the finals for the first time in some time. <laughs> and it's... So, of course, the game sold out. There was 90,000 or just under 90,000 people at the MCG for just a normal round match, a last round match, and they got almost 90,000 people there. For the two oldest rivals in the competition, Collingwood and Carlton, um, hate is a very strong word, but it probably accurately portrays how these two clubs go against each other and how uh, fervent their supporters are when it comes to this match. Now, Collingwood led at half-time and looked fairly comfortably in front at half-time by 17 points. And I know that watching the game myself, I sort of thought, well, we should be right now. We can cruise through this, finish in the top four and knock Carlton out. And that'll be beautiful. And then Carlton came out in that third quarter, which Carlton have done for as long as I can remember watching football. And the third quarter is always known as the premiership quarter. And Carlton came out and kicked eight goals to one. And... I've lost count of the number of times Carlton have done this to Collingwood over the years, where they would come out in the third quarter and just completely blow us away. And they did it again. And it was amazing football. And my one black eye, my one white eye, saw a couple of things where I sort of felt the uh, refs, or the umpires, sorry, perhaps were a bit soft on, uh, on Carlton. But anyway, that's all as it was. And Carlton led by four goals going into the final quarter. And to be honest, the way they were playing, there was just, even even given that Collingwood had come back and won so many games this year from this kind of position, and had won 11 games by under a goal or whatever it was this season, you just couldn't see Collingwood doing this again. But somehow, they they did and they came back. And even though it was still 17 points difference with six minutes to go on the clock, 
Collingwood kicked the final three. They kicked the final five goals of the match. But they kicked those final three goals in a four-minute period to lead by a point with two minutes to go. And then the last two minutes was... The crowd was so loud. You probably... On the field, you wouldn't have been able to hear anything at all. As both teams just fought... Carlton fought to get the ball forward. Collingwood just fought to kill the ball or get it forward their way to get it away from Carlton being able to score. And then, of course... Because there was only one point difference, it was brought up that if the game was a draw, that Carlton would in fact make the finals and they would play Collingwood in the first week of the finals again. And I can guarantee you Collingwood supporters had their heads in their hands thinking, oh, we can't go through this again. And then Collingwood held out. And at the final bell, when the final bell went and you hear the Collingwood crowd uh, singing the song and also with the their wonderful chant of Collingwood ringing around the ground and seeing the devastation on the Carlton players on the ground. It really was um, the most amazing match and the most amazing finish to a season. Now, obviously, Carlton supporters will not feel that way. And again, as I have said with Essendon, I do feel for their fans, but Overall, I have an overwhelming joy that we have been able to knock Carlton out of the finals once again and give them another year of misery waiting for that final spot again. That also got Collingwood into the top four, which gives Collingwood the double chance and they've won 12 of their last 13 games. And they'll be playing Geelong in the first week of the finals who have won their last 13 games. So for a Collingwood supporter, that all turned out wonderfully well. And there are a lot of other teams, supporters, who were probably very happy to see Carlton miss out as well. That left one game on Sunday Arvo, and that was Sydney playing St Kilda. Now, Sydney had to beat St Kilda to ensure their spot in the top four. But also, if they could get their percentage up over Melbourne, they would be able to sneak into second place and therefore get a home final. Now, because of the Collingwood-Carlton result, it didn't matter. The, the actual two games in that top four had already been decided. That Geelong would play Collingwood and that Melbourne would play Sydney. But it would depend on where that game would be played. And at one stage, the Swans were a mile in front. And as a side note, I guess, St Kilda had a chance to sneak into eighth spot themselves. They only had to win by, I think it was 170 points to sneak into 8th spot. Now, that was never going to happen. (laughs) But the Swans were out in front and their percentage got them up to a point where they were in front of Melbourne. But then, for whatever reason, St Kilda fought back to the end of the match to cut the final deficit to only 12 points. And that meant that Sydney's percentage was not enough to get over Melbourne. And so, instead of playing Melbourne at the SCG in a couple of weeks' time, they'll be playing Melbourne at the MCG. Now, is that a bonus for Melbourne? Sydney have played really well at the the MCG in recent times, uh, and their football uh, does suit uh, the the largeness of the MCG. But you can only imagine that Melbourne would have hated to have had to go to Sydney and play in front of 50,000 people at the SCG rather than 90,000, they hope, all, all supporting them. 
at the MCG in a couple of weeks. But what a fabulous and amazing last round of football. On Sunday, you couldn't take your eyes off the TV for those three games. And not only the results, but the crowds that came with that just shows that the AFL, post-COVID, have brought the people back to the game. And not only that, the game has been bringing it to the people. That's all for today's edition of the Almanac Report. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you'll come back and check out further episodes down the track, right here on the podcast, Thoughts for the Metal Cabin. You have been listening to a Metal Cabin production.